doctoral and PhD candidates. Thank you for joining us on Dissertation in 90 Days, a podcast created with you in mind. Our continued goal is to save you time, money, and stress. This podcast is made possible by your generous donations and sponsorships. Hey, I'm Dr. Anthony Robinson, and this is Dissertation in 90 Days, a show providing tips and strategies that will help greatly reduce the time you spend writing your dissertation. In last week's episode, we talked about how to go about analyzing qualitative data. And that leads us to today and talking about quantitative data. How do you go about analyzing quantitative data? Well, first, we have to understand what quantitative research design is. So in this first segment, we will take a look at definitions, examples, and methods. So what is quantitative data? Quantitative data is described as data in the form of counts or numbers, which each data set having a unique numerical value. Any quantifiable information that may be used for mathematical computations and statistical analysis is considered data. The goal is for these mathematical derivations to be used to make real-world decisions. Quantitative data is thus used to answer questions like how many, how often, and even how much. This information may be validated and easily evaluated using mathematical procedures. There are quantities that correspond to various factors. For example, how much did that laptop cost is a question that will collect quantitative data. Most measuring parameters have values connected with them, such as pounds or kilograms for weight, dollars for cost, and so on. Because of the ease of mathematical derivation that quantitative data provides, it makes measuring various parameters controllable. Quantitative data is typically collected for statistical analysis through the use of surveys, polls, or questionnaires distributed to a specified segment of a population. The obtained results can be applied to whatever that population is that you are examining. So now that we understand what quantitative data is, what are the most common types of quantitative data? So first you have counter. These are entities that are equated with count. For instance, the amount of users who download a specific app from the app store gives you a count. Then you have measurement of physical objects. This is calculating the size of any physical object. For example, the human resources executive meticulously monitors the size of each cubicle allotted to newly hired employees. That's the measurement of physical objects. Then you have sensory calculation. This is the mechanism for spontaneously sensing the measured parameters in order to generate a continuous supply of information. A digital camera, for example, turns electromagnetic information into a string of numerical data. Then you have projection of data. These are algorithms and other mathematical analysis techniques that can be used to project data into the future. A marketer, for example, 
will forecast a rise in revenue after launching a new product after conducting extensive research. And then lastly, you have the quantification of qualitative entities. This is where you recognize the relationship between numbers and qualitative data. For instance, in an online poll, ask respondents to rate the likelihood of recommendation on a scale of zero to 10. That will yield you quantitative data or quantitative results. Because quantitative data is represented by numbers, mathematical and statistical study of these numbers can lead to the establishment of certain conclusive outcomes. And so there are basically two methods for collecting quantitative data. First, you have surveys. Traditionally, surveys were carried out on paper, but they have steadily transformed into online mediums. Closed-ended questions are used extensively in these surveys since they are more successful at obtaining quantitative data. The survey creators answer alternatives that they believe are the most relevant for a specific topic. Surveys are essential for gathering feedback from a larger than usual audience. An important aspect of surveys is that the responses collected may be extrapolated to the full population without substantial disparities. They are categorized into the following categories based on the amount of time spent completing surveys. So first you have longitudinal studies. This is a sort of observational study in which the market researcher conducts surveys from one time period to the next. For example, you over a long period of time, this is referred to as a longitudinal survey. This survey is frequently used for trend analysis or studies where the primary goal is to collect and evaluate data patterns. Cross-sectional studies. A cross-sectional survey is a sort of observational research in which the market research conducts surveys at a specific time period across the target population. This survey type uses a questionnaire to gain an understanding of a certain subject from a sample over a specific period of time. The rules outlined should be followed while administering a survey to acquire quantitative data. So first you have fundamental measurement levels. This is concerning nominal, ordinal, interval, and ratio scales. There are four measurement scales that are essential when developing a multiple choice question in a survey to collect quantitative data. They are the measurement of scales of nominal, ordinal, interval, and ratio, without which no multiple choice questions can be generated. Then you have the use of a variety of question types. Closed-ended questions must be used in a survey to capture quantitative data. They can be a mix of multiple choice questions, such as semantic differential scale questions, rating scale questions, and so on, to help collect data that can be evaluated and made sense of. Then you have the distribution of surveys and data collection. This is where we have examined the method of creating a survey as well as the survey design to collect quantitative data in the preceding sections. 
The dissemination of surveys to collect data is another critical part of the survey process. There are various methods for this type of survey distribution. Uh, the following are some of the most widely used methods. So first you have email. Sending a survey via email is one of the most popular and effective techniques of survey dissemination. To send out and collect survey replies, you can utilize the Question Pro email management function. Then you have the means of purchasing respondents. Using a sample in this way is another excellent technique to distribute a survey and obtain quantitative data. The responses are substantially greater since the respondents are knowledgeable and willing to participate in research investigations. In this way, you can incorporate a survey into a website because the respondent is already in close proximity to the brand when the survey appears. Embedding a survey in a website boosts the number of responses significantly. Next, you have social distribution. Using social media to distribute the survey allows for a greater number of replies from people who are familiar with the brand. Then there is the QR code. The URL for the survey, this is where the URL for the survey is stored in a question pro or QR code. This code can be printed, published in magazines, on signs, business cards, or on almost any object or medium. Next, you have a text message survey. In a text message survey, uh, this is a quick and time effective approach to collect a large number of responses. Then you have Question Pro. Uh, the Question Pro app, this is an app that allows you to easily distribute surveys and gather replies both online and offline. And lastly, you have the API integration. You may utilize the Question Pro platform's API integration to invite potential respondents to take your survey. So first we, we talked about the use of surveys to gather quantitative data. Secondly, the second method that you can use is what is known as one-on-one -on -one interviews. Traditionally, this quantitative data collection approach was conducted face-to-face, -face, but has recently changed to telephonic and internet platforms. Interviews provide a marketer with the opportunity to collect detailed data from participants. Quantitative interviews are highly structured and serve an important role in data collection. These online interviews are therefore divided into three sections. So first you have face-to-face -face interviews. In addition to survey questions, an interviewer can prepare a list of relevant interview questions. In this way, respondents share in-depth information about the subject at hand. An interviewer might form a personal link with the interviewee, allowing him or her to get more information about the issue as a way to improve the responses. Interviewers might also ask interviewees for clarification on any ambiguous replies so you can follow up to the questions that you ask. And then you have the online or telephone interviews. While telephone interviews are no longer unusual, these quantitative interviews have also shifted to online platforms like Skype or Zoom or even WhatsApp. With online interviews, communication becomes one click away 
regardless of the distance between the interviewer and the interviewee, or even the different time zones. In this case of phone interviews, the interview is simple, as simple as dialing a phone number. Then you have computer-assisted personal interviews. This is a one-on-one interview technique in which the interviewer enters all of the data gathered directly into a laptop or another type of device. The processing time is therefore shortened and interviewers no longer need to carry physical questionnaires. Instead, they simply type the responses into a laptop. So with that being said, surveys, questionnaires, and polls can be used to acquire quantitative data for all of the approaches that we've discussed so far. So here's what we know now. We know what quantitative data is, and we know the various types and methods used for quantitative data. In the following segment, we will take a look into the actual how of analyzing quantitative data. So stay tuned. Data collection forms a major part of the research process. This data, however, has to be analyzed to make sense of. There are therefore multiple methods of analyzing quantitative data collected in surveys. I'm gonna give you some of the main types of analyzing quantitative data collected in surveys. So first you have cross-tabulation. Cross-tabulation is the most widely used quantitative data analysis method. It is a preferred method since it uses a basic tabular form to draw inferences between different data sets in the research study. It also contains data that is mutually exclusive or have some connection with each other. Then you have trend analysis. Trend analysis is a statistical analysis method that provides the ability to look at quantitative data that has been collected over a long period of time. This data analysis method helps collect feedback about data changes over time and if aims to understand that change in variables considering one variable remains unchanged. Next is max diff analysis. Max diff analysis is a quantitative data analysis method that is used to gauge customer preferences for a purchase and what parameters rank higher than the others in this process. In a simplistic form, this method is also called the best worst method. This method is a very similar approach to co-joint analysis, but it's much easier to implement and can be interchangeably used. Following is co-joint analysis. Like the one I mentioned previously, co-joint analysis is a similar quantitative data analysis method that analyzes parameters behind a purchasing decision that can be made. This method possesses the ability to collect and analyze advanced metrics, which provide an in-depth insight into purchasing decisions, as well as the parameters that rank as the most important. Next, we have TURF, which is T-U-R-F, TURF analysis. The TURF analysis, or Total Unduplicated Reach and Frequency Analysis, is a quantitative data analysis methodology that assesses the total market reach of a product or service or a mix of both. This method is used by organizations to understand the frequency 
and the avenues at which their messaging reaches customers and prospective customers, which helps them to tweak their go-to-market strategies. Next, you have gap analysis. Gap analysis uses a side-by-side matrix to depict quantitative data that helps measure the difference between expected performance and actual performance. This data analysis helps measure gaps in the performance and the things that are required to be done to bridge the gap. Then you have SWOT analysis. You've probably heard of this before. A SWOT analysis is a quantitative data analysis method that assigns numerical values to indicate strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of an organization or product or service which in turn provides a holistic picture about competition. This method also helps to create effective business strategies. And finally, we have text analysis. Text analysis is an advanced statistical method where intelligent tools make sense of and quantify or fashion qualitative and open-ended data into easily understandable data. This method is used when the raw survey data is unstructured but has to be brought into a structure that makes sense so next we have we will discuss the steps to conduct quantitative data analysis for quantitative data raw information has to present in a meaningful manner using data analysis methods Quantitative data should be analyzed in order to find evidential should be analyzed in order to find evidential data that would help in the research process. It is important to note the importance of relating measurement scales with variables. For example, we should associate measurement scales with such as nominal, ordinal, interval, and ratio with the variables. This step is important to arrange the data in proper order. Data can also be entered into an Excel sheet to organize it into a specific format. Some of the widely used descriptive statistics are mean, which is an average of values for a specific variable, median, which is a midpoint of the value scale for a variable, mode, which describes the most common value as it relates to a variable, Then you have frequency, which is the number of times a particular value is observed in the scale. Next, you have minimum and maximum values, which are the lowest and highest values for a scale. And then lastly, you have percentages, which is a format to express scores and set of values for the variables. Ultimately, when conducting quantitative research, most researchers will use some type of software, which in this case, you would then need to be acquainted with the data analysis software. The most commonly used programs across universities that we found with the clients that we work with are Microsoft Excel, Microsoft Access, and SPSS. These have been used for decades, so learning them would not be difficult at all. You can go to YouTube or many different other sources to learn how to use these different software. So what I can say is that you don't need to be a statistician or a mathematical whiz to learn these. You just simply need to be tuned in to what each statistical analysis can do for your research question. Additionally, it's also important to learn the best way to represent data after you've analyzed it. A dissertation coach can describe to you 
what each data visualization type is most appropriate for your particular form of data. Quantitative analysis is easy to learn, but it takes time to get it right. It can be easy to get the statistics right, but you still have to analyze them in a way that is consistent with your research design. Therefore, it is paramount that you have full and reliable support along the way. So if you find yourself needing help, don't hesitate to reach out to us because we can definitely help you with this. And so with that being said, I hope this episode has been a tremendous help for you today. Ultimately, I created this podcast to provide you tips, strategies, and even encouragement about a daunting process that if applied can greatly reduce your dissertation writing time. It's my hope that you will use this podcast to help you reach your goals and to help you learn from others in the process. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to us at www.writerser.com. We would love to help you on your journey. So thank you for listening today. I can't wait to hear about your success. Until next time, I'm Dr. Anthony Robinson, and I'll be back soon with the next episode of Dissertation in 90 Days. Doctoral and PhD candidates, thank you for joining us on Dissertation in 90 Days, a podcast created with you in mind. Our continued goal is to save you time, money, and stress. This podcast is made possible by your generous donations and sponsorships.